You're listening to Twin Day, a show all about empowering Black and Brown entrepreneurs to thrive. This podcast is powered by Bank of America. Twin Day, meaning Let's Go in Kiswahili, is a Tennessee accelerator program that's leveling the playing field for Black and Latina founders. I'm Brittany Cole, Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center and your host of the Twin Day podcast. You can expect to hear stories of entrepreneurs thriving in their businesses, insights from organizations that support founders of color, and get access to resources to help you grow and scale your business. For more content like this, visit TwinDayPodcast.com and follow anywhere you get your podcasts. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Twin Day Podcast. We have a very special episode for you today, answering your questions on what you need to be asking your attorney to start and grow your business. And we have none other than counsel, P. Danielle. Welcome. Thank you, Brittany. So glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Excited to get into the nitty gritty about how we need to be thinking about proactively taking the necessary steps to protect our business. So before we get into that, let's learn a little bit more about you. So tell us your story. Where are you from? And how would you describe your childhood? Wow, I love that question, particularly as Nashville grows, because it helps us uh, situate people in space. But I am a native Nashvillian. My child is an eighth generation uh, Nashvillian. So we've been here for a very long time. I uh Love growing up out north for those mm-hmm. of us who are from Nashville. And I have a wonderful husband, a child, and live in a multi generational household. So my child has the benefit of growing up with his grandmother and great grandmother and uh, other family. And I just, I, you know, I love being from here. I love having my family here close by. So that's me. Yeah, like likewise, uh, another native Nashvilleian. It's yes. always nice <laughs> to get to run into us. So tell us when you, as you were growing up, kind of what was the what do I want to be when I grow up kind of career in your mind? Well, it was definitely not being a lawyer. Okay. When I grow up, I knew I was going to be a teacher. Uh, and I tell people I am an educator by gifting. That is when my light shines brightest but I went to school to be a teacher. My degrees in Spanish and education. Uh, I met a couple of amazing lawyers who were not practicing law in the traditional sense after I graduated. So they were working uh, for the government and nonprofits and really impacting change with their law degree. And so I thought I would go to law school to do educational policy, mm. international educational policy, because I believe people know how to educate their children. And uh, education is my heart and I end up keep I, I keep coming back to it. But I graduated from law school in 09 when the bubble burst on the legal market. All of us were scrambling for jobs, trying to figure out what to do with our lives. It was also an existential moment for me because the program that I've been through, as wonderful as it was, I realized I didn't want to do what I thought I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I uh, started taking criminal appointments, actually. So hung my own shingle. Pretty atypical for law students coming right out of law school. I think in that 08, 09 class years, more of us did it because it was necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned very quickly not just how to practice criminal law, but also how to build a business from the ground up. And so that's kind of 
how I landed in the legal profession, but it's taken many twists and turns since then. And I find myself now at a boutique law firm, Klein Solomon Mills, and I work with amazing people and we do business. Uh, We do litigation, we do transactions, we do government relations and also corporate education to keep our clients out of litigation. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that time period when you were out on your own, building your business. I know certainly for our listeners and even some of our founders in our Twin Day program, you know, they start out as experts in a specific field and maybe on a solopreneur path of building a firm or a practice. What was that experience like for you? It was a roller coaster ride every day. Uh, I learned something new every day, and I think our entrepreneur colleagues can understand that, but it helped me grow. And so as I'm mastering the legal practice, I'm also having to build a business. And so those business principles don't come naturally for everybody. They certainly didn't teach them in law school, and it got down to, you know, what can I bring to the table, right? So I'm a lawyer and I care deeply about my clients. I want to make sure we're addressing the issues that they're facing. I don't want to see my clients again, Um, nothing personal, Mm -hmm. but if I've helped address the underlying issue, then we're not seeing people come in and out of the criminal legal system. And so that was a measure of effectiveness, but that also means I have to build a client base at the same time. And so a lot of people, when they start and hang their own shingle in the criminal world, they're taking appointments from the court, which is paid through the administrative office of the courts. But as any business owner knows, word of mouth is a great way to build your business. And so when you do good work for one person or two people or several people, they will refer you to other folks. So it was about that relationship building. Let me do a good job for this client so that they can then send me other people who may need my assistance. Awesome. Awesome. And so you transitioned from there into where you are now? Not quite directly. So I was a solo defense attorney. I was a prosecutor. I've clerked for a criminal court judge. Uh, I ran for district attorney. And before running for district attorney, I did move over to the firm where I am now. And so taking those litigation skills into the civil world where we are dealing with businesses, uh, both individuals and large corporations and organizations. Fantastic. So let's get into that conversation. So certainly for earlier stage entrepreneurs who are just like you were reflecting on your experience, trying to figure out how do I deliver the service Mm -hmm. in excellence? And I might be really skilled in that area while also figuring out how to make these business principles that I read about or went through courts on real in terms of how I actually grow this thing. And for many entrepreneurs, the thought about that legal team member or that legal partner that's going to help you is kind of more so pushed to the back burner. So talk to us a little bit about the perspective of most early stage business owners and how sometimes the thought of having a legal team member or hiring a firm can feel like, oh, I'm not ready for that yet. Maybe that's something that I'll add on as I grow. What's your perspective on when is the right time to be thinking about bringing on legal guidance? I think the right time is the first time you start having your ideas about the business, right? Bring an attorney on as early as possible and not necessarily to draft everything, to create everything, but really to advise as you're walking through the process of formation. If you're going to be, if you're trying to decide what 
type of business you're going to be, then you should have somebody to ask those questions. And I know there's a lot of information certainly out there on the internet to get you started, but there's some nuances state by state. There's some nuances business by business that an attorney in the area of business can help you navigate in a way certainly the internet cannot. You know, there's Small Business Administration has some great resources. The Secretary of State has some great resources. Places like the Entrepreneur Center have some great resources. But for your business particularly, you need to reach out to an attorney to have them advise which direction to go and and Mm -hmm. protect you, right? That ounce of prevention saves on the back end. If we're forming correctly, it saves on the back end. If we're protecting our intellectual property, it saves on the back end. Yeah. So what I what I hear you saying is stay away from the download templates <laughs> of the contracts and <laughs> the the paperwork and where you just plug your business name in and go. Yeah, I would um avoid them, but I understand everybody doesn't have all of the funds to go to an attorney, and, I, and I'll put an asterisk there because I want to talk about building that relationship. But you may not have all the funds up front, but read what you're downloading. A lot of people just take it, they download it, they plug in their name, and they're like, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. But these templates are written for a broad audience, and you can tweak your template. Now, be careful because as you're, you're crafting those agreements or recreating those agreements, there's some uh, legal language that are that you'll find in there that's absolutely necessary to protect you later on. But consider what it's saying. And also consider, as you are downloading formation docs, downloading agreements for vendors, downloading invoices, does this really match our needs? You know, how many times have we seen an invoice that says, you know, category, 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 miscellaneous, and your business doesn't fit into any category, so you put it in miscellaneous? Well, Change the invoice, right? So it matches your business. Vendor agreements. If you're getting an agreement from a vendor, they're going to protect themselves. So consider what you're signing away, what they're getting in their agreement from you, what promises, what guarantees they're getting, even if they if there's poor performance, right? Because poor performance isn't necessarily going to get you out of one of your agreements or contracts. You know, if they fail to do it completely, it's a different conversation. But if they don't do it up to your standards, mm. well, that mm-hmm. that's not really going to change that contract and the fact that you're having to pay in that contract. Yeah, those are some good things to keep in mind. So I want to shift into an Ask the Expert series of questions so that we can get your insight on some of the legal questions that entrepreneurs have when starting a business. So one of the first things that comes to mind is about your business structure and choosing the name for your business. What thoughts do you have there? Yeah, I think there's some great websites out there to check to see if somebody else is already using that business name. So certainly you're wanting to see if somebody else holds a trademark, uh, if somebody else has a similar name, particularly with a similar product, because that could create issues in the long run. You also want a name that is representative of who you are and consider that you're You're doing business as name. Your DBA, Mm -hmm. right, might be different than the name that you register under, the entity that you register under. But I would definitely check to see if somebody else is using it. And then also check your state's requirements, right? State by state, it's a little different about what you have to put on there when you're registering your business. And then if there's any 
hurdles you might have to overcome if you want to change the name of your business. Mm. But you definitely want to check to see if other people are using it, check what the requirements are, and then make sure it's reflective of who you are. Sure, sure. So when you're setting up that business, typically, like I'm just thinking about an LLC in Tennessee, there are those operating agreements. Sometimes you have those bylaws up front. And then it can sometimes feel like you never touch those documents again. And people don't. Talk to us about that, right? (laughs) What should be in those documents? And then how should we be leveraging them throughout our journey? I think it really is business by business. You want to make sure, again, not going back to the templates and just downloading what you find on the internet, because that might not meet your business's needs, right? So consider some big red flags that come up when you ask that question for me. You know, are you protecting your intellectual property, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how is that happening? Are you protecting yourself? You know, those different types of business entities carry different risks, different liabilities, right? From your sole proprietorship all the way up to the various types of corporations or nonprofit, if that's where you're headed, there's different risks associated with it. There's different tax implications. And so you really want to do your research and understand what those risks, those liabilities, those tax implications are before you decide that that's the form of business that you want to use. You want to make sure that your bylaws are supporting your business needs, but then you want to update them, right? Like if you grow, you may want to consider whether your original documents are meeting your current needs. And that's a really great place, again, to plug in an attorney to help you kind of go through them, get some advice about what that looks like from where you were to where you are, and then also where you want to go. One of the issues we often run into, formation aside, is when people add employees. And so we have your your sole proprietorship or, you know, single owner, uh, limited partnerships. Okay, great. But then we're starting to add people. So I was running it out of my house. I was creating my product. And then I put up a storefront. Right. So what is when I have my storefront, what do I need, not just for the physical space, but also for the people who will be working there? And that's down to the nitty gritty of even attendance and tardiness. Right. We don't think about that. Of course, somebody's going to show up. They believe in my product as much as I believe in my product. But that's simply not always the case. Right. They came for their paycheck. Make sure you're paying people on time. And you want to have policies around employees. You also, for that storefront, want to have policies in place to protect you from, you know, slip and fall, right? Mm -hmm. You know, were there cleaning policies in place? Were there all those little things that maybe didn't come with building your baby, right? Whatever your product that you're creating, you've now created this business in addition to, or you're, you're, you're expanding this business in a addition to that product that you love so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that for our listeners, if they're like, okay, wait a minute, y'all are throwing these words around. What do they mean? So you mentioned products and storefronts. When we think about our founders that are in our Twin Day Accelerator program, over half of them are actually service-based businesses. So tell us a little bit about some things that entrepreneurs should be considering to protect their intellectual property. And then as they grow, What are the things to consider when you have team members that are creating intellectual property? I think proprietary agreements are hugely important when you're creating something. And so who owns it? 
right? Who owns the information that's being created? Even if you have an entire team of people, who does that information belong to so that you can, uh, you know, if you have an employee that then leaves, are they taking all of that information with them and sharing it with other people? We also, and this is a space that is ever changing, some of these uh, separation agreements are currently under scrutiny and how that's going to shake out. We're not all in the legal profession sure how it's going to shake out, but know that as people leave, if you have agreements with them, that some parts of your agreement that you used to use may not still be enforceable. So you got to consider those things on the front end, just the uh, what you're protecting, how you're protecting it. And also, you know, if, if you're not protecting who you are and what you have and what you're building on the front end and you want to scale, Investors are going to ask, you know, who and what things belong to you in the business and what does not belong to you. And that may limit your investment opportunities down the road. Yeah. And certainly where we are focused on helping our founders in our program specifically grow their business by doing business with corporate and government clients. Like I know oftentimes, even in my own experience, when you get to that master service agreement with a larger corporation, as you mentioned, it's written to protect them, even though you're bringing your intellectual property, particularly in the space that I'm in learning and development, like it's our curriculum. And oftentimes those are intense conversations around who owns this product, Mm -hmm. even though it is a service, like we've created this IP, we're sharing it with you. We are licensing it to you. Talk to us a little bit about things that, you know, smaller business owners, growing business owners, as I like to say, can keep in mind as you're doing business with larger corporations to protect your IP. Read. 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 Very fundamental. fundamental. Reading is fundamental. Read. Um, Read the agreements, right? Read to see what they are saying. And then, like you said, negotiate it. And this really is a point where you need to bring in an attorney Mm -hmm. because they're pages and pages and pages long of a bunch of legalese. And if that's something you just don't understand, you know, there might be some tiny clause on the bottom of page 37, and that might be the one thing that's super important to you, and you've lost it all, right? And, and that's a very extreme example. But at this point, it is really important to bring in some support to have them read it, understand it. And it doesn't, again, have to be some huge cost to it. A lot of attorneys understand the entrepreneur life. A lot of your small firms obviously are led by entrepreneurs, right? So we are professionals doing work, but we also are a small business. We have nine attorneys and two legal professionals in our firm. So the 11 of us function as a firm, yes, but we're also a small business. So we understand cost. We understand this investment on the front end may be difficult, but we're about building relationships, right? And I think most attorneys would tell you that we want to build these relationships and help your business flourish because it benefits you and it benefits our business. Mm -hmm. Certainly, certainly. So we've talked about going from, you know, early stage solopreneur, what you need to be thinking about in those initial documents. We've talked about how you grow and how you're thinking about protecting your business when it comes to your team. Let's talk about scale a bit. So for those larger companies who might be bringing people in, in exchange for equity, share some thoughts with us. Um, We know it's not legal advice, but just sharing (laughs) your perspective (laughs) on what are some things to think about when it comes to this question of equity to protect you and your business? The biggest question is, you know, 
five years down the road, a year down the road, depending on how successful you are, have you given away too much? Have you given away too much equity because of an immediate need? Because once you give that away, once you've sold it, once somebody's invested in it, you can't really get it back, right? It's hard to get it back. There's a, a price to getting it back. And so we see all too often that people have given away too much equity thinking that, oh, well, it's just a small business and it's my little idea. But then when it scales, that's a really significant chunk of money. So consider on the front end, you know, you you hope for the best, right? Believe that your business down the road is going to be very, very successful. You plan for the worst, certainly. But when it gets successful, will you regret the agreement that you made. And also consider your early investors. And so what we see a lot of times are people who, one, don't have those written agreements around who made what investments and how much they expected. You know, I went to Uncle John and Uncle John gave me a loan, but maybe I thought it was a gift. And now he wants his loan repaid with interest because that was his expectation or he sees you flourishing or whatever it is, right? Make sure those agreements are in writing early, even if it's from friend, family, in Tennessee, really necessary to have those agreements in writing. Also, there's some securities issues that people could run into depending on the type of business and whether they have the appropriate agreements in place early on and then reporting requirements as they grow their business. So yes, we want to scale, but a lot of it goes back to that initial, did you get it in writing? Are they rock solid agreements? And that is somewhere where you want to make sure that you pull in some advice uh, from people. Yeah. So for business owners that might, again, not quite be ready for, you know, the the monthly retainer or ready to add a legal team member inside of their company, what are some things that entrepreneurs can do to build relationships with a law firm or with an attorney to get that advice to make sure that they're set up for success? I think there's an unfortunate thought that lawyers cost too much. The cost to you on the back end is going to be so much greater. But also, like I said, most lawyers want to build relationships with their clients. At at Klein Solomon Mills, one of our core values is that we believe in relationships and we want to build them. Many of our clients are entrepreneurs and we want to start with you early, get it right. And it's not a huge cost to it the way it may be later. If we're just reviewing a document, it's not the same as drafting a document. And I think that's most firms, right? Mm-hmm. I can't speak to their their billing and all those things, but most attorneys, if I'm just going to review it and read it, it's going to cost you significantly less than what it will cost you later on down the road to fix it um, or to draft it ourselves. And so build the relationships, meet a friend, make sure you're finding the right attorney we don't all do the same thing and we Mm -hmm. don't know everything about every area of practice. That's just not how the profession is set up. There are very few generalists out there that can do everything. So find a firm or an attorney who does what you're looking for, but also somebody that you're comfortable working with, right? If this is going to be a partnership, if this is going to be a relationship, let's Find somebody who we enjoy spending time with, somebody who believes in the work that we're doing, somebody who empowers us to meet that vision with some practicality. Sure, right? sure. <laughs> Go, dream big, do the work, but also the law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by the way. <laughs> by the way. Minor detail. Little things. So find somebody who will bring you that balance and don't feel bad about walking out, right? If you meet somebody and you, you think it's going to be a good match and then after a first meeting you're like, this is not the person for me, right? 
there are a lot of attorneys, and that's okay to find the one who meets your needs the best. Love it. Love that. Any final advice for our entrepreneurs, for our listeners that are working hard every day to build a growing, thriving business, what would you share with our Black and Latina founders? Your business is unique and your business is unique to you. And I would highly recommend finding an attorney partner who understands your unique vision and can help you build and grow in that space and sees you and not just you as another number, but you for all that you bring, your brilliance, your genius that can help you navigate uh, the legal space to get where you want to go. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, P. Danielle, for joining us and share with us how we can stay connected with you. Well, thank you so much for having me. You can find me at Klein Solomon Mills. My email address is danielle.nellis at Klein, which is K-L-E-I-N-P-L-L-C.com. And come see us over on Fourth Avenue in Germantown. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Brittany. Thanks for listening to the Twin Day Podcast. Follow now at twindaypodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Twin Day Accelerator program, please visit twindayaccelerator.co. I'm Brittany Cole. Until next time, keep thriving.